Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of different movies about fighting demons. But before we do that, Buddy, I want to show the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. <laughs> on this podcast, we choose movies from 20 years ago, but then also a, a recent movie based on an exorcism, but not the exorcist movie that just came out. So if like you're here... <laughs> If you're here because there's an Exorcist movie that was just in theaters and you think we're reviewing that movie, we're not. We're no. talking about The Pope's Exorcist, which is a Netflix movie from earlier this year. It's complicated, you guys, but we decided to talk about it. Yeah, no, I and uh, you know, I have also watched an additional thing, which is the first episode of Thirty Coins, which is also weirdly kind of in this in this vein of things. Um uh, but yeah, let's give I guess our spoiler-free impressions of the of Constantine and the Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> Constantine, you might be a little bit out of luck, but uh, it's been it's been like you know twenty years. But um, yeah, I remember Constantine rocked. I loved Constantine when I was a kid, but it fell away in kind of this. It is if it is there's this mid two thousands movie soup. That kind of gets brewed in, like, the cauldron of culture, right? Um, and Constantine is very much one of those movies. Um, you know, you've got... Uh, it, I don't know. It, like, I don't want to say formulaic, because it's not super formulaic. But it just... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Technically, this is a, a pre-MCU superhero dip, right? Like... Yeah, um, because you know John Constantine is a DC superhero. Um, I remember at the time, and maybe, and maybe I'm uh, I'm wrong about this, but like my understanding is that the 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 uh, critical reception was um, was bad, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I had not watched it. Um, uh, but I thought I I watched it this time. I thought it was great. Um, I you know I thought it was fun. Right? I didn't think it was like high cinema or anything. Right. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun watching it. I don't, like, I don't know why people thought this movie was, like, bad. I have my suspicions about, like, maybe, like, mid-aughts, like, atheism type stuff. Because this is, like, this is a movie that is very steeped in Christian es esoterica, right? So it's mm. either, I could see it coming from both ends, actually. I could see it being, like, you know, um, you know, the wave, like, the, the wave of proto-Reddit atheists being like, nah, and also like the Christians being like, nah, you know, like that, like the, it felt like that was like right around the mid aughts. And maybe this is just because like when I was in high school, when we were in high school, um, like that, that was like the, the point at which like, you know, busybody Christian parents and like internet atheism, like kind of like we're at, we're at like the tipping point, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, this, this was like the heart of like evolution being taught in schools battles yeah you know in the bible belt do you know what i mean um so i definitely do feel that i'm just looking looking at what some of the some folks said um constantine which opts in the end for what i can only describe as a kind of supernatural humanism is not without its spiritual sa satisfactions uh he, you know uh, what is this one of a kind um ba -ba -ba -ba. i don't know it's it has a pretty bad you know, rating, it seems like it does seem to be that it was kind of like panned, but a lot of these reviews are actually kind of like not that bad. Um, all right, I'm, I'm looking at the Rotten Tomatoes, 
Do they not have an index because it's too old? Keanu Reeves seems to be trapped in the Matrix. Score 2.5 out of 5 from the Times of India. <laughs> yeah, like, if you're a fan of the Hellblazer comic series on which the movie is based, you'll need you'll definitely need a distraction. The relation between Constantine and his source, source material is at best superfluous. The disparity starts with the original John Constantine being from Liverpool, England. Reeves from the city of John and Paul as if... I just, you know what I feel like? I think this is the kind of movie that is fine, but that critics pan because they can. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's a lot of stuff coming out. You can't give shitty reviews to everything. And so you just kind of like pick on certain movies. Um, I felt I, I feel like there's a million of these. Um, yeah, just uh, like movies that are probably okay. They're really not all that bad, but they walk away with pretty bad, you know, like critical yeah, reception just kind of because like... Maybe I'm also wrong about, like, the kind of culture stuff. I mean, maybe this is just simply kind of, like, you know, this is before, like, the MCU is, like, a thing. And before we have this kind of, like, a swing to, like, you know, should should there be a category that the MCU can win at the Oscars, right? Like, which we're also passed again, right? But, yeah. like, um, like, I could see at the time being, like, you know, like, rejection of this as pablum by every critic who thinks they want it. They're the next Roger Ebert, if that makes sense. Um which I think might be a little bit unfair to Ebert and Siskel, who who I don't think are actually that vaunted. But I think there's kind of like that that uh, ideal that like you know it's not true cinema, so it's not worthy of, of a good review type of deal. Um, yeah, like there's a lot that I like about Constantine. Mostly the camera work is like weirdly very good. Um, I think the story is actually pretty bad. Like the script is actually pretty bad overall. Um, but like. It is really elevated by Keanu Reeves just kind of being himself, and that's fine. Um, the and then just like the the lighting and the camera and the mood, it's it's like this is a Los Angeles that I I have kind of never seen before. This like incredibly dark, moody Los Angeles. Do you know what I mean? Um, compared to like, I feel like Los Angeles is typically sunshine, bright lights, big city, right? Um, this was like like. Los Angeles as Gotham City, basically. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I will, we'll get into the details of that later. But, you know, you say both of us are positive on it. Um, like, yeah, I'll agree the story isn't the tightest thing in the world, but I don't care that much about this movie, right? Like, it's not what I'm coming to this movie for. Um, uh, as we were – as I was watching this with my girlfriend, as I was lining up to watch this, I you know – um, we had watched Pope's Exorcist, and it was like, John Wick with demons is Constantine, so let's watch Constantine. Um, what were your non-spoilery thoughts on Pope's Exorcist, which you should be a little bit more careful uh, This on. movie is wild in the sense of... It's almost, it's basically an action movie. This movie yeah. has more in common with the, Ven the Avengers than it does with The Exorcist, which I think is kind of nuts. But um, the thing is the fake-out, right? Like, the beginning you think it's going to be... Like the more yeah. like the Exorcist, right? And it, and it changes like yeah. And I have a complicated relationship. I uh, I don't know. I don't know how to like. I like. I wasn't raised in a religious health household. Uh, I guess I'm functionally like an atheist, but like not in like a militant way or anything like that. Just like there, I I my parents. There was no belief structure. There was no church. There's none of that stuff. So I think one of the core fears that the Exorcist stokes is kind of i'm kind of immune to right um 
Like even even the original Exorcist, which famously was like the scariest movie of all time, people fainted in the theater and stuff like that. And I think that, there, that there's a level of that that's just like raw body horror, and that, that's that's fine. That's kind of like fair enough. Um, but I think that there's a thing with the Exorcist, which is that thing of this could really happen that just hits me like a like a magic missile in like a null magic zone. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it doesn't work. It's, it's, See, this, but th that is interesting because, um, I just by pure coincidence, watched the red letter media review of, um, the new exorcist, which they didn't like, but they talked a little bit about this one. And part of the thing that they saw that was so scary about the first exorcist is that, um, the mother isn't a particularly devout believer. Right. And the scary part is, is this is a thing that happened that science couldn't explain. Right. It's, it's, it's scary because, like, if it did happen to you, you wouldn't be able to deal with it, right? Like, th is that, like, like so a thing that you would dismiss as impossible is happening, right? Because it's true of, like, every horror movie, right? Like, you know, it's yeah, also not it, possible that, like, Freddy Krueger will come at, eat me in my dreams, right? Like, um, uh, and the vehicle for that is, is this Christian esoterica, right? Um, and so, uh, like... I, I'm not quite sure where you're where you're where you're going with it, but like um, I also was not I was not raised Catholic. I was raised uh, Protestant, and we don't have a lot of the esoterica type Wait, stuff. Wait, you were you weren't raised Catholic? No. Really? So f fun story. But uh, you're so Italian. <laughs> like. So 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 um, fun story. I was baptized twice. Once as a Catholic <laughs> baby. So my, my my dad my dad's family is Catholic. Uh, my mom's family is is uh, Protestant, um, and uh, the deal with my with my paternal grandparents was is like you can raise him Protestant, but you have to have him baptized as a baby. That way, if something terrible happens, he goes to heaven, right? Like that's like that that's the basic belief system, right? Like the Catholics baptize their babies because if you're unbaptized, you go to purgatory. Um, in the branch of Protestantism that I was raised in. I was baptized at the age of like nine, um, and the idea is that it's, that's of your own free volition, and you know you're you're taking this. It's a symbolic act of taking the spirit into you. Um, okay, yeah, this would be equivalent to confirmation in Catholics. Yeah, right? kind of. I, I I'm not super clear on what confirmation is, but like, um, it's 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 a symbolic thing. Um, I think there's supposed to yeah. be a level of of. Uh, level of like actual kind of like embracing of the Holy Spirit in it. I think my church did not do a particularly good um, job of explaining that to me because I was probably like, if I, looking at it intellectually, if I were to seriously consider a baptism, I would have wanted to do it earlier where I had a better understanding of what was happening. Um, uh, but you know, that's, that is what it is. Um, but uh, no, I, so point, point being, I was not raised Catholic, so I do not. I am not steeped in the esoterica. I find it super interesting, um, just because, like, um, you know, it's like the, like, the Pope's exorcist is a fictionalized account of a real guy, right? Mm -hmm. um, is he? Is he? He might even still be alive. He like retired in 2016. I don't know if he if that was on his death, or uh, uh, or if it was, uh, or if he just retired. Um, but. Um, uh, he, uh, but like, you know, like, I do not understand papal politics, um, but like, Christian esoterica is a thing that at least some part of the Catholic Church embraces as like a real-ish thing, to your point, right? Like that, like, you know, 
the fear the the fear of the if the fear being described is like the chance that you could actually be possessed it's not a thing that like affects you or me frankly because it's not a thing that is within our possibility set as a as a real consequence right is that your point primary point yeah i yeah it's like there is there are things that spook me i'm bad at horror movies horror movies get to me um are you gonna go see the five nights at freddy's movie uh probably not unless you ask me to um, uh, we can do it for the cast i mean i have a deep love for for five nights at freddy's lore um and so I will be going to see that movie. That movie, I'm sure, is going to get me, right? Um, it 2017, right? The 2017 It movie famously got me really hard. Even though, like, that's a movie that's, like, about, like, a supernatural alien thing. You know what I mean? It's like... But there's, like, this weird thing of... It doesn't trigger... Maybe it's, like, my... You know, we talk about, like, suspension of disbelief. Maybe it doesn't trigger my suspension of disbelief in the same way. Um... Because, like, there's something about it can tell me about an al a shape-shifting alien that, like, fucks with these kids and eats them, right? And I'm, I can buy into that and kind of get immersed in that horror in a way that I cannot get immersed in the horror of there is a Catholic, there, there's a demon and a Catholic priest comes to, you know, get it out with his crosses you know what i mean and i just I, I i don't know what it is i always assumed it was because i wasn't religious but i just i've never been spooked or scared by that in the same way that like the texas chainsaw massacre gets me right um or midsummer got me um uh and uh anyway but <laughs> to wrap it around the pokes exorcist is a horror movie, but it's also an action movie in a weird way, yeah. right? Like, it's almost more of a thriller is probably the real thing that I would want to call it. It probably has more in common with a true thriller like a David Fincher movie um, than it does uh, kind of maybe either. Maybe thriller is just the genre of action plus horror in a way. Um, yeah, no, sorry. But, I, yeah. I, I'm still stuck a little bit on your last thing just because, like, I wonder if it's because, like, the, the there's not like a huge threat in the exorcist right like mm -hmm. um i wonder if you'd be scared by like you know a movie where like it's like a traditional slasher antagonist but it's a demon instead of a you know instead of like a you know freddy jason that that kind of thing i mean i guess technically freddy might count right because like freddy i think is theoretically like like a pedophile that's like you know an agent of hell for some reason. Yeah. Freddy, uh, I haven't watched those movies in a long time. Yeah, neither of them. Uh, I definitely got, I definitely got spooked by like the Halloween movies or whatever. Like, like occult stuff can get to me. Uh, Blair Witch Project, I think is tremendously frightening. That is a tremendously frightening film. Um, I don't know. What's the movie about going into the catacombs under Paris? Um, I'm not familiar with this. Paris. God, what is it called? As Above, So Below is a found footage horror movie um, about people who go into the... You know the catacombs under Paris, yeah, yeah. right? Famously, incredibly huge mazes. People get lost in them because it's all pretty kind of like undocumented um and uh and that movie has like a supernatural element that that can get to me um 
Uh, the the witch, you know, another uh, that's Ari Aster as well, right? That Midsummer and the Witch is the same guy, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I um, watched the Witch last year with my girlfriend. And I thought it was meh. Um, oh, it's actually not the same guy. But I I like the Witch. Um, uh, that's based on you know like devils and stuff like that. I don't know. I read that. Have you ever read the Malleus Maleficarum? No. I took a I took a class in college uh, where we had to read the Malleus Maleficarum, which maybe also like I don't know plays into this stuff. Uh, the Malleus Maleficarum is the the witch hunting like the Inquisitor's Bible, oh, okay. um, like like guidebook from the you know 1600s or whatever. And so just like I don't know like that stuff. I, for some reason, The Exorcist possession movies poltergeist would be another good example i never cared about any of those movies uh they just didn't they they yeah. don't appeal to me in a horror way in the way that they do with others which i uh i don't know maybe we'll maybe we'll talk more about that so anyway oh, wait, wait, my, the real, point real is quick, <laughs> I, I have to address lou in the chat says sure. i will come for you over the witch mango um i just want to be clear it my issue with the witch is that um Basically, no, none of the protagonists in the film have any control over anything that happens, right? The plot just kind of happens to them. And so I found it, um, I found it unsatisfying, right? It's, 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 it's not like, it's, it, it's like just stu stuff just, I don't know. We, we talked about this a little bit last year when I watched it, but it's like, it's just kind of like stuff just kind of happens. Um, and like, it's, it, 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 that is not satisfying to me. I'm not, you know. Um, uh, yeah, the lack of agency is part of the heart. I, I, I get that. Um, uh, the, All right, the chat, my problem with the witch is that it's dog, dog shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. just funny. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, I get that that's part of the heart. I just don't find it very satisfying as a movie watching experience. But anyway, on to the movies that we are. I don't, I don't know why I find that so funny. Maybe yeah. it's the use of the word dog shit, which has become my, like, pejorative. When something is bad, I call it dog shit recently. Mm. Um, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's like, a Sopranos thing? Do they say that in The Sopranos? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So, uh, spoilers. Spoilers for Constantine and the Pope's Exorcist. Probably be more <laughs> concerned about the second one than the first one. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, what do you want to tackle this in order? Do you... Do you want to? Do you have a particular thing you want to call out about either of these movies? Uh. So the thing that that appeals to me about these is the mythologizing of it. This is yeah. what I find most fascinating. Um, and for a long time, I actually think that Christianity in general has sort of resisted this sort of a a reading, which is maybe just like a result of kind of the secularization of. I don't know, like the modern Western world or something kind of along those lines, um, because essentially. Uh, have you ever read what, what? What is the Richard? What is the Richard Dawkins book that everybody goes nuts for? The God Delusion is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I just want to challenge you really quickly on that. I don't think Christianity's sure. resisted that. I think that's like purely internecine conflict, right? Like that. Like this is a thing that Protestants don't really believe, but Catholics do, and Catholics were very marginalized for a very long time, right? In the United States, especially, right? Like it was a big deal when JFK got elected. It's a big deal to some extent yeah, that Joe Biden is true. a Catholic president, right? Like the fact that it's unremarkable is weird from like, like, you know, like a stretch of history perspective, right? Like if- Well, yeah, yeah, okay. So on a stretch of history lens, here's what I would say. I think for most of history, because of the lack of sort of scientific acumen, you get 
interfaith conflicts, right, rather than a secular versus faith conflict, right? So for most of history, you have different sects of religion, whether that's, you know, I mean, this movie uh, references Spanish Inquisition, that's Jews yeah. and Moors, Muslims, um, uh, like these are pe all, all people of different of different religions kind of fighting each other, but there really isn't like an atheist strain basically anywhere on the planet. Right. That happens kind of out of the like it's the, it's yeah, the, the, the seed. Yeah. comes in the in the Enlightenment and then it grows into kind of where we are now, where like atheism and, and a secular society is pretty normal. In a certain right. sort of sense, right? Not not atheism in a true like in an atheism isn't kind of like a negative space sense, like an absent sense, right? There is a lot of stuff where religion is absent from people's lives, um, and that's and this is kind of the first time in history where that sort of thing has happened. And so, in my hand, in, in my head, the conflict is now you have people who are a religious, shall we say, kind of fighting in a culture with people who are religious, whereas before it was two different strains of religion fighting one another, right? Like the Great Awakening in the 1800s would have been an example of this. Does that, does that make sense? That's like a baseline. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was more commenting on kind of like the nature of, the, of like Christianity re resisting mythologizing. I just, I just like don't think that's generally historically true, right? Like an angels and demons like have been a thing it's just like they became more metaphorical over time to your point but it was always like a lot more like real and concrete in the catholic church um at least from my understanding of 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 the history of the church and i, I am not an expert but i have done a, some reading on it um and like I, I i think also part of the resistance to the to the um to mythologizing christianity is straight up um even though we have like pretty strong legal rights to do it there are there were a lot there was a lot of like popular pushback against things that were viewed as blasphemous essentially right like okay i think i may be i may be willing to buy that uh especially because there's a piece of this that does that is kind of complicated which is that the great awakening right i think technically the second great awakening is what it's called um in like the 18 whatever like 60s or 70s this is when like mormons for instance come out but there's a whole bunch of religious like sects the seventh day yeah yeah. And, yeah 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 and all of these are about reinterpretations of texts right um and about like oh when it's revelation what's it gonna you know i'll be like all that other kind of stuff um maybe i would buy the argument that that's mythologizing christianity in this exact same way and so it's part of that this strain but uh really what it comes down to is the idea of using religious sort of stuff as lore for your right. story, right? right? Like, like, um, like we do with yeah. Norse, Norse mythology. Yes, Greek yeah, mythology. exactly, yeah. right? Um, weirdly enough, this has also happened in a, like a number of different places. Uh, you know, like for instance, even something like Diablo is kind of like would be would be a good example of this, right? Where it's like you know, there it's not true lore. It's not like you are, you know, we're not talking about Yahweh. And the uh, and and Lucifer, right? And Lucifer's, you know, whatever he's doing is some sort of, um, I don't know. Uh, this, this is this isn't the Christian Satan, right? This right, is, yeah. This but is like the like iconography, the yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, absolutely. Um, yeah, I also. And so the part of the part of this movie that I or the part of these two movies together that I really loved was the amount of like. 
Oh, I recognize this name because it's like a church name. It's like a Christian, you know, it's like a thing. But it's also like you're telling me this is this is magic, essentially. This is like Gandalf the Grey explaining the One Ring. But it's the version of that where he's talking about, you know, how this one exorcist was actually possessed by Asmodeus, the devil, or, you know, the king of hell, not the devil, um, Asmodeus, the king of hell, and you manipulated the church into causing the devastation of the Spanish Inquisition, right? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I get all of that. Um, also, it's, it, it is something that the pop in my head is like, this is like a tweet I saw like a year or two ago, so, you know, take it all with a grain of salt, but like something like somebody like commenting that they had read the Bible and like suddenly so many more, like so much, like you could see the kind of references all throughout the canon, right? Um, uh, and like the, the tweet I saw was a quote to is being like, you know, essentially like the loss of Christianity is kind of like a shared, um, shared kind of knowledge base, like in reference base in the Western world had like kind of damaged the ability to interpret and understand the, uh, the entirety of the Western canon because it is so, <coughs> excuse me, rooted um, in Christianity is like a shared cultural touchstone, maybe is the way to put it. Okay, I want to like red flag. That. I I want to call bullshit on that kind of, but I do. I guess I I guess I, I, I maybe I would just want to say that Christianity has dog shit lore. <laughs> Can I say that? I, like Warcraft lore based, great. I love it. Christian lore, terrible. So confusing. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Can, so, can someone give me the link to, to the Catholic fandom wiki, please, so that I can learn the lore on Asmodeus? I want to mention this, by the way, the chat, Lou in the chat says, and now we play everyone's favorite game. How do you pronounce that diabolic name? I would say Asmodeus in a normal sense, but in the movie he is referred to, and Russell Crowe is Italian in this movie. Italians don't have all the same uh, vowel sounds, so he said Asmodeus, um, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. I just want to say the Bible has shit lore. That's what. Well, so as Luke points out in the chat, there's no univocality, right? Like it's not. It's not like yeah. you know, like Warcraft lore is mostly written by Chris Metzen, right? Mm -hmm. um, Christian lore is written by God, interpreted through like you know, a bunch of different voices. Right. Yeah, this is what when evangelicals try and convert you. This is something they talk about all the time. They get they they're really mad about uh, the. Um, the Virgin Mary, right? The Virgin Mary, the Holy Mother, is really important in Catholic yeah. lore, uh, but she is really not all that important when it comes to just, like, the Bible itself. And so evangelical Christians uh, will talk about how, oh, you know, Mary is only mentioned once, and all of the, the Catholics are so dumb. Uh, well, that's, that, that's, that's not just evangelical. Like, yeah, I, I am parsing hairs here, but, like, evangelical is, evangelical is like, generally considered a separate kind of thing from broader or a, a portion of broader Protestantism. That's like a Protestant versus Catholic thing, right? Like the, Oh, use it like, the, like all Protestants be that way. Yeah. Well, it, it's not that, well, I mean, most Protestants just kind of like, don't care about like, you know, the Catholic kind of conflict. Right. I mean, 
with some very significant exceptions, right? The troubles were a thing for a very long time. No offense to the Irish, right? Like, um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, but I know what you mean. Like, yeah. uh, there's obviously Martin Luther, the 95 Theses, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, like, the, you know, is one, one of, of his theses about the Virgin Mary. Well, the intercession <laughs> of the saints and Virgin Mary are like not a thing in Protestantism, right? Like you, like because okay, they, yeah. they are not like at the. This is this is like a level of theology that we probably don't need to go into. Honestly, what I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing the like rhetorical equivalent of being a little kid smashing around <laughs> in the garden and like stomping on all the plants. And Mango's like, "Oh, don't touch that! Oh God, can we please?" Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. In the chat. All Protestants feel that way. Boy, don't ever say that about. <laughs> yeah. This is the like, greatest. There's like an old joke that's like you know. Uh, you know, like two, it's like two guys and like they, you know, it's like, oh, are, are you a member of, you know, what, are you a Catholic or a president? Oh, I'm a president. Oh, are you a member of like, you know, Episcopalianism or like, you know, uh, you know, Baptist? Oh, I'm a Baptist. Oh, are you Northern Conference or Southern Conference? Oh, I'm Northern Conference. Are you uh, Reformed Church or Orthodox Church? I'm Reformed. Die heretic, right? Like, you know, like that, that's <laughs> like... <laughs> Honestly, I don't even, I, I guess I know Episcopalian, Presbyterian, uh, Lutheran, I don't know, what are the other Catholic uh, strains like? Well, th th those are Protestant strains. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Protestant strains, I yeah. Mean, th so there's, there's non-denominational, which is, which is a denomination, don't, don't believe, like, <laughs> um, there's, um, uh, there's, bap there's baptism, and like, so my, my church nominally, or growing up nominally was conservative Baptist, it functioned more like non-denominational, um, which is... Which is different than Southern Baptist, because yeah. they're, they get to be racist still, right? Um... That was my understanding of Southern Baptist. It, it depends. <laughs> like, I, I, this is a thing, this is territory that I, I shouldn't wade into because my understanding was that there is a, there is a, a strain of baptism that is primarily African-American. There's also, like, Pentecostal and, like, um, there's, like, there are more Protestant denominations than, like, you know, I, than you can name on fingers, right? The, the, the big kind of deviations are, like, the Mennonites, who are like various forms of Amish, right? Um, the Episcopalians, because they are basically because they are Anglicans, they're American Anglicans, and Anglicans are Catholics that the King of England split off so he could divorce his wife, not because there was actually yeah. a theological division. Um, uh, and uh, what was the and like and then there's like kind of like a mush of other Protestantism that like kind of like. Also, churches don't stay constant, right, throughout uh, through everything. And that's not even, like, talking about, like, the Eastern Church, right? Like, Eastern Orthodox. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, either, yeah, like, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, there's also, like, the Asian churches, which are their own thing. You know what? Let's, 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 let's show <laughs> talking about the intricacies of... Whatever the case may yeah. be, both of these movies deal a lot with lore, like, Christian lore yes i yeah <laughs> which is the thing that i think is interesting right yes. um and they are both nominally focused on exorcists uh but uh i guess very different sort of spirits in their exorcism uh like john constantine is a movie about exorcism that is fundamentally a move that is fundamentally a superhero action movie, right? Whereas the Pope's Exorcist is more like a mystery, I guess, in a way, which is kind of what it, where yeah. it comes to that like thriller angle, right? Um, you know, there's this there's this church, there's this abbey in Spain, and it's got a whole bunch of dead 
I guess they were Jews. The Spanish Inquisition killed Jews and Moors, right? Um, and uh, there, and that that death brought a demon, and the demon is the king of hell, and his name is Asmodeus, and he couldn't be exercised, and so he's like locked there or whatever. There's all this stuff going on. Um, I thought I thought all of that was pretty interesting, right? Um, kind of in like a I don't know, like a Paradise Lost sort of way, where it's yeah. just like people people interpreting biblical history narratively i think is really interesting and fun um yeah because well, but yeah because you you actually the, the thing the, the the part you this is a big spoiler is that um the the exorcist that was locked in the basement um like the the implication is the spanish inquisition happens because he's possessed by asmodeus yeah. and so he drives him to commit these these heinous crimes um against humanity right because like part part of Part of the Inquisition, I think, was like historically, it's 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 Jews and Moors. But I think I don't know how true this is to real life. But I think the implication in the movie is that like there are a lot of like also just like generally innocent people, right? Like that were just like you know put to the put to the test, right? In a kind of like a Salem witch trials kind of way. Um, uh, uh, just like you know, kind of like like people who are suspected of being. Jews and Moors, even even if they were not not that it's not horrible, regardless, but um, uh, but like you know at least at least in kind of like the 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 tradition, there are people that are, that aren't even like, guilty of the things they're being charged with. Um, uh, yeah, this is sort of the the overlap with the Malleus Maleficarum, right? Um, yeah. Which, to be fair, the Malleus Maleficarum was a German book. Um, like written by some German guy, um, but it it has that same sort of thing, right? Uh, of like this de of demonology and how do demons possess people and all this other. Excuse me, and how how does all this other sort of stuff? But instead of going for demons, it's going kind of around witchcraft because the idea is mostly the misogynistic, right? That women are not possessed by demons, but entering into you know profane marriages with them and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's um, the the whole American side of it is also super interesting because like a lot of it was like people just accusing people, right? Like for fun, um, but yeah, um, not for fun, but like you know, like there's just a lot of stuff with like kids who were just kind of like probably didn't know any better, but were like just like doing it because they could. Um, but um, I agree with you; it's an interesting aspect of this movie, and it, it, it contrasts with Constantine. Right? Constantine is a medium right like he is he is a person gifted with powers to like from birth to be able to like interact with this world whereas like um kind of the fundamental difference it's kind of like batman versus superman weirdly right like constantine is superman right because he's like born with these powers whereas like the pope's exorcist father of morth does yeah. it is is all based on like study and piousness right which is like yeah you know, he, he is a normal human but for his piousness right like batman is a normal human but for his training and his detective work right um uh uh so it, it is kind of like an in interesting way of like dealing with it different separately because um right like i guess john wick has or not john wick i keep gonna keep calling him john wick constantine has this kind of like um, level of gadgets as well and like it kind of like it's like fan service esoterica right like you know i got like this screeching bug from the from like 
uh, this gravesite, right? Like that that's a plot device, right? I think it's supposed to be like from it's an Amityville bug or something, right? It's like it's like a reference to another horror movie. And it's like, oh, this is a fun this is like a fun little magic thing, right? Whereas like the the items in uh in the the Pope's Exorcist are not like they're not magical items in kind of like like you know pew pew blasty type of way, right? They're just kind of like they're items that have like spiritual weight to them and are like not obviously magical, right? They're just kind of like objects of faith, which is uh, you know. A, a yeah, there is a part of um, uh, there is a part of Constantine where they're talking with that guy. He eventually gets eaten by bugs or whatever. Um, but he almost has this moment of like Q from James Bond, yeah, where he shows up and he shows up with all these gadgets, but like they're they're magical religious gadgets, not technological gadgets uh, that will that are all planting and payoff, right? Um, they will eventually be paid off over the course of the movie, and then all, also obviously. It's not quite the MacGuffin. It's like kind of the MacGuffin. Um, the Spear of Destiny, right, yeah. uh, is a an important piece of sort of Christian mythology. The spear that pierced, you know, because when when Jesus is up on the cross, he gets he gets stabbed with a spear. That spear is covered in his blood, and the idea is that this spear took on became like this crazy magical artifact afterwards. the The Spear of Destiny, funnily enough, gets referenced in comics lore. The reason that it pops up in Constantine is because it pops up in comics lore as the reason that Superman did not kill Hitler, uh, <laughs> because Hitler through his weird occult stuff. Uh, found the Spear of Destiny and used it to sanctify uh, Nazi land and in doing so kept American superheroes from directly killing him, basically, like him and the Nazis. Uh, they could fight on like the front lines, but Superman can't just fly to Berlin and like heat vision Hitler or whatever, which I always thought was the craziest bit of lore, but it's real. That's say, a, it's a real thing. Say that again. Sorry. Okay. So, here's the thing. Superman, you here. This is a purely lore invented to solve a problem. The Justice Society of America exists. You need to explain why Superman and later other other heroes, right, doesn't fly to Germany and kill Hitler, laser vision Hitler, right, or Wonder Woman or any of these other super superheroes who could who could do such a thing, right? And the answer was that Hitler had found the Spear of Destiny and used it to sanctify Nazi territory so that the superheroes could not invade. Like, you could win with conventional warfare, but you could not fly in Nazi... Like, like Wonder Woman can't fly through Nazi territory and do stuff, which is why they were allowed to fight on the front lines, which was the okay. thing that happened in, like, Justice Society comics. Um, but you can't fight, but you can't just, like... You, the Flash cannot just zip to Berlin and shoot <laughs> and shoot Hitler with a gun. Okay, that makes sense. All right, hold on one second. Sorry, this is the reason why I haven't been paying attention. I think recently was uh, there was like a I saw this is another thing I saw on Twitter that recently there was like a feast day for the guy who stabbed Jesus. Um, what? Like, so ma many of the people in the Christian story are, are beatified and sanct sanctified by the Catholic Church. This is another kind of like Protestants on Twitter are like, look at these silly Catholics. 
beatifying the guy who killed Jesus, right? Like, um, yeah, his feast day is 16. It's today. Today is the feast day of um, of Longinus. Um, uh, Longinus. In okay. Roman Martyrology. I thought it was Martyrology. Pontius Pilate. I guess Pontius Pilate ordered it, right? Yeah, yeah. Longinus is the guy who, this is why it took me a little while to find it, because I thought it was Pilate too. Pilate's, I think, the governor at the of Jerusalem at the time. Um, and Longinus is the guy who, who literally stabs him. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 oh my god. Wow, this actually makes so much sense. Because the Spear of Longinus is a is a thing from Evangelion. I didn't know this was a Christian. Uh, wow, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Lou points out in the chat, it's called the Spear of Longinus. We even call it the Spear of Destiny. I wonder if that's like a... Spear of Destiny versus Spear of Longinus. The same thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The same, they're all the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, man. Oh. Okay, never mind. Um, yeah, there's... But, you know, to your point, like... Just to kind of get a little bit back on track since we've been like kind of meandering. I'm sorry, I'm I'm rampaging around yeah. this, this podcast. Um, just because we've been, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting just because, like, to your point, engaging with Christian mythology as Christian mythology is relatively rare, right? Yeah. Like, um, but engaging with Christian mythology as kind of like touchstones otherwise right isn't right you said diablo um like you know D, right there are angels there are demons there are devils there are demons which is like a purely like that's not a distinction i think it's not a biblical distinction um that is that is oh yeah and there's the thing because in D D you have demons who are purely forces of chaos you have devils who are very tightly ordered there are nine circles of hell right yeah. this is very uh, paradise lost and then you have daemons who are the four horsemen of the apocalypse right um the, yeah, like the, demons you have pestilence you have war and all that other stuff yeah i, I think those are the like the, the heads of it but like you know daemons are neutral evil um demons are chaotic evil devils are lawful evil um yeah um and like this yeah. this kind of kind of like permeates everything right like hell like the new jersey devils are like ostensibly named after the jersey devil but like the iconography is all like classic kind of like cartoon satan right like um mm -hmm. yeah um yeah which is which do you is want to watch more of the pope Pope's Exorcist movies, if they were to make more of these? Oh, I absolutely would. Um, I, th I thought it was super fun. Um, honestly, like, so the one that you didn't watch, which is 30 Coins, is pretty janky, is the way I'll put it, because I don't want to say it's terrible, but, like, we, me and my girlfriend watched the first episode, and we're like, this is silly. This is dumb. Like, the main character is the mayor of the town. I think his name is Paco, and he is, like, the dumbest himbo of, like, all time. Um, there's, like, like the main female character is this, like, veterinarian who, like, um, her husband disappeared and no one knows where he went. And, like, um, Paco's wife is, like, this shrewish woman. And, like, they're sitting in bed and Paco is just, like, shirtless in bed, like, buff, like, trying to type on his computer. And he is, he's so dumb. It is such a dumb show. But, like, it, it's... And, like, the, the exorcist character is, is this priest 
who very similar to to this kind of movie um has like a person in his past who he like didn't believe was actually possessed and he ends up dying um which is kind of like an inverse of this movie where like um you know pope's exorcist doesn't like doesn't believe that this person is possessed but like turns out like the point is is that doesn't matter you show compassion regardless right like this is this is why he goes and he does like he gets in trouble at the beginning of the movie because he does a fake exorcism in an attempt to help the mental health of this of this teenage boy or young young man i, I can't quite tell um is because you know when essentially i can't remember if this is from the show or from the for, from the movie it's like when you don't know what's happening right like and, and your mother is very religious she calls for a priest right and like if she won't bring you to a doctor then like i've got to do what i've got to do to make sure you're hurt you're, you're helped because otherwise you know like because the consequences could be disastrous even if it isn't you know you know even if it isn't satan involved right which which is the point about the in in the movie um he fails to help this young woman and she commits suicide um which um you know is not only a terrible thing but also as is uh as john constantine constantine points out is a mortal sin and that has another level of um another level of consequence i think for like a, for the catholic for the catholic viewer um uh which is interesting that, that's that is honestly the only kind of thing that really bothered me about the esoterica of john wick is like you know it's like i guess i could make the case for john constantine being like like not actually like part of the deal with christianity right is that like faith is important and um it is not an act of faith to believe in something that you know is true i guess and so like john constantine trying to like make up for his attempted suicide by works rather than faith like that's also really so i i actually don't know what the state of this in the is in the catholic church but like one of one of kind of the tenets of at least uh the branch of christianity that i was brought up in is like you know um by faith not works so like you know like the idea as the movie goes into that you can buy your way into heaven is kind of like you know a non-starter right like you know um uh uh but uh and so like i don't know it, it just like that that whole dynamic was weird to me it's like he commits suicide and so he's he can't ever get back into heaven i guess um although gabriel hints that like if he actually believed maybe he could but then he does by like sacrificing himself um yeah that whole piece didn't make any sense to me uh but i just kind of didn't i just kind of rolled with it at that yeah, point no i mean um, it, it, it's very honestly absolute. the logic of he killed himself but then he gets resuscitated is the thing that happens right yeah. so he's sort of like i'm like uh, excuse me, like, then you're not dead, buddy. Like, I don't think that fucking St. Peter is going to be, like, persecuting people for that at the pearly gates. Do you know what I mean? It's like, if you, if you got brought back, then you never entered heaven, right? That's like, that's gotta be lore. Yeah, I mean, so, like, th there is, there is a part, there's a big part of, of, of sin that is, like, intentionality, right? And so, like... I, I do not know what the like because mortal the idea of a mortal sin is also a very Catholic thing as like you know like levels mm -hmm. of sin are not a thing in the Protestant Church or at least in most of them yada 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 right um, and so like 
the concept that you tried to kill yourself and you failed and like part of the mortal sin bit is like you know you do it fully intentionally right like um and so like um like that i get but like if you got brought back the way you traditionally cure that cure cure that kind of like sin is you is you go confess right you, you go to confession um yeah um which we we get a very nice scene of in the Pope's Exorcist, right? Like I actually thought that that that, that scene was like I you know my church didn't do confession. I've never done confession, but I thought that scene was was super interesting, a super cool way to kind of like get to like that's like a very nice device for like doing a flashback, right? It's like go like confess right now, right? Like do do the confession. That's that, that's an interesting uh, um, story tool, I guess. I have been thinking a lot about that recently uh, for completely unrelated reasons. Maybe we can talk about this in the back half or whatever. Uh, about sort of uh, like because <laughs> The Sopranos is about Tony Soprano going to a therapist, right? Um, and there's a lot of stuff about him being Catholic. His wife is super Catholic. She goes to confession. She talks to a priest a lot. She gets a lot of advice from a priest. And there's like a big thing about like <sighs> there's a big thing about how in the tradition of sort of their culture, Tony is doing the wrong thing by going to a therapist, right? And Carmela is doing the right thing by going to a priest, essentially. Um, even though they are both trying to give feedback, but that the the show takes the side of, it's, it's like a weirdly like pro, like secular sort of interpretation because Dr. Melfi, Tony's therapist, is definitively correct about basically everything that she says on the show. Not to say that she is like correct in the sense of like a moral arbiter, but in the sense of she properly, you know, demystifies kind of the psychology that is happening underneath these characters, right? And then fucking uh, Carmela Soprano will go to the priest, and the priest would be like, "You know, Carmela, it's a sin." to divorce your husband, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And it's just like the worst possible advice. Um, <laughs> no, um, that's interesting because that is like this, you know, kind of like secular religious conflict that, mm. that, that you're talking about, right? Because like, I think you can make a pretty strong argument that like the function of the priest was like to be the town's therapist for a long time because like, you know, you know, psychiatrists weren't a thing for a very, very long time. Right? Yeah, well, this is also why when I was talking about the Great Awakening, uh, so many of those those sects pop up, right? And a lot of the um, like one of the crazy things about our world, we've only had germ theory and modern understandings of illness, bacteria, viruses, right? For like the last like maybe we call it like 150 years, right? You know probably cholera in the 1870s in London is really where we start to understand this stuff because somebody figures out that you don't want to poop near the, near the well water. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you have people who are making wild claims about how and why illnesses are striking people. Right. Um, and that's something that, that fuels, uh, that's something that just that that fuels in a in a really complex way people's innate desire for closure. This is what the God delusion is about, right? This is Richard Dawkins, and he's explaining why people invent religion. It's because human the human mind. It's like that circle thing that we talked about before, right? Cons people invent conspiracy theories 
for the same reasons, the much worse version of, I guess, religion is the point I'm making. Uh, but it's the same. It's the same psychological process. People want to find closure. They want to understand a thing completely. They don't. They they dislike it when it doesn't make sense um, and it is like uncomprehensible. And the or religion and God. Yeah, yeah. And religion and God were really, really useful tools to get to explain these things um, over the course of human history, right? Lightning is not, you know, a difference in the temperature and the charge of particles in the air between the higher and lower, you know, pieces of the atmosphere. It is a guy who is throwing these thunderbolts from a mountain that's really tall, right? Like that kind of thing. Yeah, Zeus did it. Yeah, <laughs> the angels are bowling. What is it? what? What does that mean? That, that's I think that a euphemism for thunder. That's a euphemism for thunder. People said that. People probably still say it. This is ridiculous. <laughs> that's all I can say. This is, this, this is ridiculous. Like, so I I don't I don't know if it's like official official doctrine that thunder is angels bowling. I think that's mostly just like a metaphor. Right, like, teach me, teach me the lore. Okay, the angels bowling. That you got taught that. Your, your, your mom taught you that. Did you believe her? I Sorry, mean, this is Ryan in the chat. I'm talking to Ryan in the chat. <laughs> yeah, but like that, that. That's also like that's like a that's like a Santa Claus type thing, right? This, this, again, this is not like. I'm, I'm sure this is not, like, official doctrine. I'm sure Arahe's mother was not, like, this is a scientific explanation for why thunder happens. This is, your kid is scared, okay. and you need to calm him down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If your kid is scared of thunder, you say, don't be scared, it's just the angels bowling. Right, right, yeah. Right, like... That is wild to me, okay. Did, did um, your parents never comfort you, buddy? Are we... <laughs> But I, I, my dad just told me what thunder was. I just knew what thunder was. Your, 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 your dad <laughs> dispelled your fear with facts and logic. <laughs> I, can't, I guess so. What do, you, what do you fucking want from me? Not that it's not that it was facts and logic. It's that the idea that uh, I don't know. He explained the thing that he explained. I remember that was useful was that thunder is, does not come top down. It goes bottom up, right? That the, a lightning bolt is technically, like, the charge is actually getting dissipated up into the atmosphere, even if we think of it as striking, like, as striking sure. down um, or or whatever. And I remember thinking of that as being a very comforting thing. But, yeah, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, that checks out knowing Buddy said. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Two-year-old Buddy getting a scientific explanation of thunder and how it relates to lightning. I, I, what do you guys want from me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And Buddy went to sleep and was like, "Ah, oh, I understand this booming noise. It is not. It is, I, you it is know, not scary I, for it is just like a sonic boom." It's funny because I have a lot of like dumb fears. Like I have a real fear. This is part of my obsession with like boat, like doomed boats, right? I have like a real fear of like the doomed boat thing happening, or like my plane, like. The the idea of a plane is so frightening, and I had a weird anxiety-inducing experience on a plane once that just, like, fucked me up in a weird way. But the thing that is soothing is the is knowing the probability that plane accident that, like, plane accidents are so incredibly rare, right? Um, that they are, that planes are so insanely safe that most pilots will do hundreds, I mean, th th thousands over the over the course of their lifetime 
uh, you know, like plane trips and never have a thing happen. Because something I used to think about this all the time. How come there are so many more car accidents than plane accidents? Do you do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I guess. Have, have you ever been in a car where the engine has failed? Uh, or like the brakes have fucked up? Uh, I don't think so. Um, it is a truly, it is a truly terrifying experience. So I, but I, in a way of like, I, yeah. I got one. I I, uh, I was driving once in a rainy day and my car 180 on the highway. Um, like as I was turning on to it, it wasn't a problem, but yes, I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah. 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 Like I once, I was once driving on a highway in Los Angeles during rush hour and my timing belt snapped, um, which meant that my, my engine failed, right? I wasn't, I wasn't actually driving and never in my life have I been more terrified in a car because you lose, because it's the loss of control. That's so frightening, right? Because you realize, oh my God, I am in a box hurtling at 60 70 miles an hour down a highway and now i i have no control i mean i do i do have control i have control over the steering wheel obviously and like the brakes i can do that um but i can't keep up with traffic i have to find a way and i did eventually i did figure that out and i, I was fine i was safe or whatever but it's just like when you think about that it's like why doesn't that happen with planes what happens when a timing belt in a plane snaps do we just die? Do we just all die? Right? The answer is yeah. But the but the other answer is that problems in planes like this have like insane redundancy, and also you basically take your plane to your mechanic every single time it lands and every single time it takes off. So it's just like insanely rare that this stuff pops up. But anyway, yeah. well, the point is, I don't know, spooky shit. What do you, what do you want from me, you guys? So I, I'm curious. Did, did you believe in Santa when you were a child? Uh, yeah, I believed in Santa. I believed in Santa. I had a couple of things about Santa, and I eventually got demystified. I was probably like four or five when I figured out that Santa wasn't real. Um, part of it is also just like the cute little nudge nudge of my family. Uh, like we have a thing called the rhinoceros in the basement, uh, which is just like a, typically my family doesn't do too many like individual gifts. Uh, you maybe everybody kind of gets a couple of small gifts that are small not not super huge not super crazy right but then there is one big gift and it's for the whole family right so it's like i will get a toy and then the family gets a ping pong table or something okay. right and the big gift is always in the basement but my dad puts up a sign that says there's a you know kids you can't go into the basement yet there's a rhinoceros in the basement obviously there's not a fucking rhinoceros in the basement but it's like a cutesy thing it was like it was around then that i figured out that uh santa wasn't real okay that makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, I was, I was just curious because, like, you know, obviously, like, uh, Angels Bowling and Santa are kind of, like, one in the same to me, right? Like, you know, small lies mm -hmm. you tell your, your child, you know, as, like, behavior reinforcement and or, you know, kind of, like, comforting, right? Like, you know, um, <sighs> do, uh, German Lutheran Santa didn't come overnight. He came when we went to the evening service at church. That's interesting. Um, my mom told us it was to make sure Santa's job, make Santa's job easier because he had so many people to see while they were sleeping. Yeah, no, um, that's, I don't know, there's, obviously there are tons of different traditions there, right? Like, um, but, uh, that is, that's a, you know, it's, <laughs> such a poor job of talking about these movies. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. But you know what? It's fine. Because we are talking about Christian esoterica, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, for the chat, I didn't believe that the rhino was in the basement. I knew the rhino was in the basement. It wasn't real. And it was an extension of the rhino in the basement is not real that got me to realize that Santa wasn't real. And also, I'm pretty sure my sister told me uh, and was like, Santa's not real. 
Um, I remember there being some stuff about how you can't stay up to see Santa or else you won't bring presents, right? So was, there was kind of this perceived thing. You can't, you do, don't perceive me is what Santa says, right? Um, and that was the realest I ever believed in Santa, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, pretty clearly, like, that and all the extended mythology around Santa is, like, a vague, like, you know, behavior reinforcement mechanism, right? Like, be good or Santa will bring you coal, right? Like, you know, um... Uh, you know, go to sleep because otherwise Santa won't come and you won't get your presents. And I would like to sleep, please. This is my one day off of the you know of the year. Let me fucking sleep. Don't you fucking. Wake oh, me when up when did you learn that Santa wasn't real? Um, I feel like I resisted being converted for a long time, but like you know, it was it was probably in elementary school sometime. Um, like I, I know, like that my first hint of it was like. Somebody else at school told me, right? Like, also, you know, it gets hairy pretty quickly. It's like, why doesn't Santa visit Jewish children, right? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's or, a thinker. Yeah. <laughs> or like, or, yeah, I mean, or, or like, because hmm. another interesting piece of it is Christian mythology. Like, I remember thinking when I saw movies and tv shows about santa right so the santa claus the tim allen movie I, I must have seen that when i was a kid that was the 90s right i remember not believing in santa but engaging with that on the mythological level right oh i understand this is how the this is like the lore this may be one of the first entrance instances of the lord of santa or something like that um but I can't, I can't, I don't know. I can't think of a time when, like, I engaged with a piece of Christmas media, um, even like a kid's show, that referenced Santa. And I had, why I was an earnest believer in Santa at that point. Yeah, okay. The, the only thing I can remember, and I'm sure I, I did before it, um, was, um, was the Grinch. Um, and that was because, and, like, the reason I, I remember engaging this is because like when my dad would read me the Grinch he would like editorialize the end of it <laughs> to put in a part about Jesus right like yeah no, oh my god yeah wow uh, I mean and like I couldn't tell I couldn't read right I was a tiny child right but like you know it's an important part of like it was important to my parents to transmit their their faith and obviously that was less successful than they would have liked um but uh um, you know what is weird? Okay, hold on. I said I wasn't. I didn't have a religious upbringing, which is true. But I was in a Christmas pageant. I was Joseph in a Christmas pageant did because my dad. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's when I just went and grabbed my beard. Yeah, uh, because there was this whole thing about my um, uh, my dad. Funnily enough, he lived in. They lived in Randolph. Actually, thinking about it, my my dad's best friend. Uh, for a long time was this guy named Tom Jarling um, and his parents, Walter and Maggie Jarling, who I guess I remember for some reason, uh, were members of a church and they needed people to fill out their Christmas pageant. So uh, I I guess auditioned as like a little kid and I was Jesus for the Christmas pageant. Very cool. Yeah. No, not Jesus. I'm sorry, Joseph. Joseph. Yeah, uh, I would say Jesus would be, would be a little bit rough. My little sister was Jesus. She was one year old at the time. Oh, okay. or, I'm sorry. She was. Uh, she she had just been born at the time. She was born in September and was was baby Jesus in December of that year. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we've we've talked briefly about kind of like the, the standard kind of like death of third places type stuff, 
right? Like, yeah. And church is one of those, right? Like, you know, as, as people secularize, there's less. Uh, <laughs> Angels bowling alone in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I guess. Are, do you want to say anything more about this? These movies, these TV shows. I'm sorry. <laughs> movies. Are I was fun. like the worst co-host for this episode. Yeah, I, I but, constantly derailed the conversation every which way. To be fair, most of the joy of both of these movies is watching the action happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so if you're interested, go watch these movies. There is some Christian esoteric in it. You don't need to understand it, right? Even the Pope's Exorcist, which is like very Catholic. You know, you can follow along. You don't need to know the history. They explain all, like, kind of the basics, right? Like, Oh, there's one other piece of this that I wanted to mention, which is Dan Brown books. Do you ever, do you ever read Da Vinci Code or um, the other one, uh, Angels and Demons? No. I did read Left Behind, though, the kids' series. Um, oh, do you not know about Left Behind? The fuck is Left Behind? Left Behind was Dan a Brown super, po super popular... Like, I read the kids' spinoff. It was a super popular book series about the um about revelation about about these the second coming it's a bunch of people oh who are left God. behind after the um what's the term for it when when, when the rapture the rapture <gasps> yes have i ever told you about the last exodus um it's a tabletop game uh hold on i actually hold on just one second oh you know what i think you did tell me you have spoken about this but but feel free to recap yes yes so it, it is about the rapture or it's post rapture it is um Post-rapture people who convert and then, like, the Antichrist is, like, a Romanian guy. That I remember he was Romanian because that was the first time I had heard of Romania. Was like Yeah, so this is The Last Exodus. And I think – I actually don't think my name is in the credits. Uh, but is there credits? But, like, uh, this, is a this is a thing of, like, Christian esoterica. Like, for instance, this is – you can see the – the for these are for people on the on the, the, the go watch the YouTube video if you want to understand what what we're seeing. But this is um basically these are the different uh like is that a clan thing. <sighs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. So okay, so <laughs> the lore of the last Exodus, which is great. I love this lore. They started from the premise of everything religious. Okay, all religions are true. Okay, and they figured out a way to explain literally everything all in the same sort of all in the same kind of like lore world building structure. And the idea behind the last exodus is the rapture happens, um, but the rapture doesn't happen in the way that people think because people have mortal coils and they have souls and there's kind of two dimensions, right, that you can, like, zop between or whatever. Um, and uh, the the rapture is an ongoing process. This is what the last... Excuse me. This is what the last exodus refers to. The last exodus is people who are essentially getting raptured into heaven. Um, but there is also... There are there is heaven and there, there are heavens and there are hells. There are multiple of them. And they correspond to real-world places. Um, there's all this, like, crazy lore. Like, for instance... Camelot is the heaven that is on top of the, the United Kingdom, right? So if you swap, if you change from Earth to 
whatever they call that. I can't remember what they call like the outer planes. You go to Camelot and like King Arthur is there and he's like a guy. He's like a real, he's like a, he's like a real guy who like leads this section of heaven. Um, but then uh, there are hells. Right. Uh, so the hells are places like Las Vegas is a hell in kind of like a slanesh, like den of sin and pleasure sort of way. Right. So if you change over, if you go to on Earth, if you go to Las Vegas and you swap between, you know, our world and the other world, um, you show up in a hell. Anyway, um, there are two factions. There's the kind of angel faction and there is the. Um, uh, there's the angel faction and there is like the demon faction um, and they have two different and they have a bunch of different kind of um, clans, kind of like races in like World of Warcraft, right? Like orcs are part of the horde. Humans are part of the alliance. So there is a there is a faction for the the bad guys who are called the Horde. And that is this that I just happen to open the random page to. And you can see there's a neo-Nazi there. There's a, uh, I guess like an Islamic extremist is that second one? There's a, uh, there's a, a Klansman. And these are people who are like motivated by like bigotry and hate. Whereas the second page are the Sanhedrin, which is like the, uh, the, the angel version of that, right? Like the deified um, like version. Of that. Anyway, this shit is crazy. Go look it up. It's cool. The last Exodus. Fucking. That's the last thing I just want to like say about all this. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, that's uh, that's very cool. The the only thing I, the last thing I want to say about the Pope's Exorcist is just um, you know it starts out kind of in this in this frame where like you know uh, you're kind of like you're not sure if they're gonna be like if this is gonna be like a you know uh, what's the, you know ambiguous whether or not it's real or not and then very quickly they like like throws a man into a cabinet, right? And there's also, like, a gas leak, so I'm like, oh, is, is it going to be a gas leak? And then they, like, very pointedly point the camera at the broken dresser to show you that, yes, it's real, yes, it's all happening. Um, and then the craziest thing is at the end of it, um, it basically turns into a pitch for a television show because it's, like, there's 199 other fall, you know, uh, fallen angels. Um, and then, like, you know, old exorcist and, like, young Spanish priest team up to like go take them on or something it was, it was you know what i wish we'd watch for this now that i think about it was the conjuring have you ever watched the conjuring movies no. or series um yeah because those are also based on like exorcists or whatever but it's based on it's like it's all more complicated than that like annabelle the doll for instance is one of the things in the conjuring um who are these like i don't know yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like that's what they're going for. They're kind of chasing that conjuring money where you have, uh, you know, your main character, he shows up in a serial. You use the word serial, which is the uh, the the correct use for it. That it. Why is that an interesting use of the word Sanhedrin? As we wait with bated breath. Oh, you know what it is? I think I actually remember what it is. The Sanhedrin, I think, is the overall faction name that I was trying to say before. The Horde is one of the sub-factions of the Sanhedrin, is, I'm pretty sure. The Sanhedrin were was, a bunch uh, of rabbis. Um, really they were the Israel Israelite court way back? Interesting. Yeah, and so the other version of it is the apostate, I guess. Apos so apostate the apostate are good guys the Sanhedrin are bad guys apostates are aren't apostates like people who like don't believe in the right version of yeah of like you know they, they don't believe the right lore um 
A apostate person who renounces a religious or political belief or principle. Yeah, that's that 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 is interesting. Um, hmm. You know, Last Exodus, weird book. Highly recommend. It. I think you can still get it on Drive Through RPG. It used to be out of print, but then I found it in print in college, and I bought a copy immediately. Um, that's some anti-Semite shit there. I mean, listen, there's a lot of. I, this is probably not a very politically correct book because I'm sure it is appropriating just an absolute shit ton of different, uh, you know, like pieces of religious iconography and culture. Uh, oh, you know what's interesting? I was like, I have heard The Last Exodus before. Not only is it game on Steam, but it's a trilogy by Paul Tassi, the Forbes writer. Paul Tassi? Yeah. When did he write it? Uh, it's got to be after this, but like, not that it would ever matter, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's clearly like, you know, it's the last. I'm surprised there are not more things called The Last Exodus. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, published in 2015. Well, okay. Anyway, uh, how's how's your week? Are we talking about our weeks? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about our weeks. Um, my week was good. What did I do this week? Uh, I beat Baldur's Gate. Um, finally, I like made a big push to do that. Um, it's a good game. Uh, do we want to do a full episode about the wrap up of that? Maybe. Oh, God, that's a good question. I want to ask a million questions about your wrap-up, but maybe it would be good for just a full episode to talk about, like, final true spoilers through to the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's do that. Let's 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 save it. Um, I booted up Cyberpunk um, and, like, made a character, um, but I didn't get much further than that because I've been – I just had other distractions. Um uh, I continued watching uh, Taskmaster as it comes out, which has been super fun. Played a little bit of, um, what's it called, uh, of Astrea. And uh, I got this little thing. Oh, yeah, fuck. Oh, my God. Did I get mine? I hope I got mine. My, mine came in the mail today, actually. So, you know, it might be. This is, this is uh, you know, uh this is like an official product. Yeah, this is like the. I think we call them standees. Yeah. I think is what they are, is what they are called. I might have put the dice in the wrong position, but I want Solarius up front, so I, I do not care. It is very cute. I recommend it, especially if you're a big fan of Solarius like I am. Um, I played a couple of rounds. Um, I have not done as well um, as I did initially, um, just because I have been more focused on like just like having fun with. Uh, with with the characters, um, like I went for like a crazy kind of like um, hurt myself, do more damage and power build, um, and then like I got to the point where like I like took a damage and like like I took the one that like gives agony to another person and like I lasted a turn against the final boss and like one damage like did all my health bar. So it's just like ah, I guess I guess I'm fucked at this point, but that's okay. Um, uh, uh, but you know. It's a, it's a, it's a fun, obviously it's a very fun game. Um, I did beat the, I did beat Astraea recently on Anomaly 6. Have you, how, how hard have you climbed in the Anomalies? Oh, I'm not super hard, far. I'm, I'm on Anomaly 2, I think. 
Um, okay, I'm on Anomaly 7. There are two anomalies. There's the Estrella's Heart Anomaly, which is the boss zone anomaly, and then there's the normal anomaly, which is just like regular enemies going up to the boss. Um, the regular enemies anomaly, I think I'm up to 7, and I just got to 8. Uh, but I had gotten all the way up to Anomaly 6 for Estrella, which is really tough. Uh, but I was able to beat it with a an exceedingly gross Ostra build that was just an intense amount of fun. It was the, have you ever played the meteor rain Ostra build? Um, uh, where you just like get a bunch of meteor rain stuff and which one, which one is, is Ostra the moth? Ostra. Yeah. Ostra is the moth. Meteor rain is it deals one corruption to random targets a number of times. And there is a move called sky piercer that says every time you use meteor rain you deal you you like you you do your meteor rain and then you just shoot a bunch of one or uh, equal to the number of sky piercer if you have sky piercer 6 you do 6 uh to like to to random enemies um but i got this incredible combination of um the electrostatic field which like locks in your homing stuff and a ton of meteor rain, and one thing that says when you use meteor rain, you, you it's like meteor rain seven, meteor rain eight, meteor rain nine, but it gives um, it puts serenity on the target. Um, and then one other thing was uh, the star blessing that says whenever you deal corruption to an enemy, that enemy takes five purification. So I basically nuked Estrella in two turns and just completely like destroyed my own health bar doing this, by the way. Um, but I just nuked Estrella in two turns by electrostatic fielding Estrella and then meteorating Estrella for like 40. But like meteorating 40 times is 200 times with purification and you're stacking up serenity and doing all this other stuff at the same time uh which was which was very fun so i have technically beaten the beaten the hardest version of astraea the boss even if i have not beaten the hardest version of astraea the game i'm still walking up the front end anomalies in order to get there fair enough fair enough um uh, what else oh there was another thing i wanted to to mention which is uh have you heard of power washer simulator yeah, it's published by Square Enix, but everybody calls it an indie game, and it kind of bothers me. Really? Okay, interesting. <laughs> well, I didn't play that. I said I bought a real power washer, um, and I've been power washing my deck, which is so fucking satisfying. You know, I'm, like, charging straight into middle age. But, like, you know, I spent, like, a good, like, four hours over the past week just, like, getting all the nooks and crannies on my deck with my with my uh, new Sun Joe power washer. <laughs> Um, you know what is the podcast for if not moments like this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No. It's it. Uh. It was uh, so. Um. Prime week was last week, and I bought a bunch of like tools and stuff, and that was like one of the things out of there. It's just like, oh, I'm gonna get a power. Like you know, my oh, Prime week was last week. I guess. Yeah. I yeah. bought a new keyboard. Oh, nice. Um. For because my old keyboard, honestly, I want to say it was broken. To be fair, it probably wasn't broken. It's just that I, for the space bar, the S, A, like D and E keys, it was sticking, the switch was sticking, and it was the most 
frustrating thing. I was constantly writing stuff and I would get like three S's or two spaces in a row. And I was just like, all right, it's mildly broken. Fuck it. Like I, I quit, you know, and I just bought a new one because I have, I've had that keyboard for six years at this point. Um, do you use mechanical or do you use um, soft cat or junk I use mechanical. Okay. What I use, uh, I have blue RGB blue switches. Cherry uh, blues. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, Cherry, what did I say, RGB? Yeah. RGB is the key, I have an RGB keyboard, okay. but. Um, I Cherry switches, I use Cherry switches, yeah. uh, Cherry blue switches. Yeah, blues, yeah, yeah. No, I, Six years never cleaned, uh, excuse you, I cleaned that keyboard on two occasions, uh, <laughs> and it took an, a million years. Uh. <laughs> I, I'm actually at the point where I should probably clean this one, um, my Ducky Shine 6, and I probably should clean my Moonlander too. Um, yeah, honestly, it's a Corsair one. The thing I like about this keyboard is it has like um, it has like little grippies on the key key. My other one, the the keys were all aluminum. This one, the keycaps are I don't know, maybe they're vinyl or something like some sort of plastic, but maybe they're aluminum to be honest. I actually don't know. But on the top, they have like a little like traction pad, and I just I love it. I'm I'm in love with this yeah, keyboard. I mean, you, you can switch out your keycaps too. That's like the the one of the easier things to do. Yeah, that's true. Um, like I have, oh, this is gonna be embarrassing because this is kind of dirty. Um, mine has like I've got metal keycaps for the arrow keys, but I've got like I've mixed and matched like these. These are uh, half size keys um, that uh, came with the board, and these are clear keys that I that I put on the board. Like you know, this is like my first foray into it. Um, I used to have a what? What is the what is the colors? Is it just random? Oh yeah, yeah. This is like a raindrop effect because this is not. This is a ducky keyboard. It is all on the hardware. It is not. Um, it's not like controlled by a program or whatever, right? Like I could. Okay. I could like hit some buttons and make like I left it on raindrops because I don't care enough to switch around. But I could like have it like spread out from a button press or whatever. Um, I also have the um, the meme. Uh, the, the the meme uh, modifiers <laughs> about that a while ago off of um, a drop um, pre previously mash drop uh, but yeah um, no keyboards are keyboards are a hobby you can like get really into um, kind of like building fight sticks um, that's the have I showed this I you've talked a lot about your fight stick no. I don't actually know that you've shown it to the chat so I, I built a this is so this is my my classic is the is the is the um, is the uh what's it called is the suitcase <laughs> yeah i built this with some people at work we did a group buy on this this is like a this is an aluminum case these are typically like plastic um the case is the most um, most expensive part and these are 3d printed buttons but uh this is like a, a flat thing like this is like one of those hobbies that like it's like oh i'll spend a bunch of time building building controllers that i won't ever use but you know it's still fun. yeah sure it's, yeah, it's like buying board games that you're never gonna play. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've got a you know what? You know what's funny? Hold on. I have a, I have a, I have a treat. Do you want to play? Uh, do you want to play a little diplomacy, maybe? Oh yeah. <laughs> Warren, friend of the podcast, uh, had it was it's moving and he was clearing out his. Um, he was clearing out his storage container, and he re-gifted me my own copy of Diplomacy that I told him to buy. Uh, he was like, "He was like, hey, what board games should you buy? This was years and years ago, and I told him to buy Diplomacy. And I think we played once. Um, and then he was like, hey, guys, I'm just, like, getting rid of stuff out of my storage thing. Do you want this copy of Diplomacy? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Man, I haven't played Diplomacy in forever. It's been a, it's been a yeah. long time. But what, what did you get up to this week? 
Uh, what did I get up to this week? I played a lot of Total War. Um, Total War Warhammer 3 continues to be... Do you, uh, are you on the Total War subreddit at all? No. <laughs> the Total War subreddit right now, I've talked a little bit about this, is, is a Gamer Revolt subreddit. Um, you know, it's one of these subreddits where... Or it's one of these communities where gamers have become aggrieved and have sort of created a validation cycle to create an identity around hating the game, right? This might, you might call this an anti-fan, um, would be another good example of this. This happened, obviously, with WoW for a long time. Uh, we on the podcast were stood in some, you know, varying degrees of opposition to people's hate of Shadowlands. But this phenomenon is one that I find incredibly interesting, and I actually secretly want to, like, I almost want to, like, do, like, a deep dive episode, but I don't even know how I would want to do that. I would want to do, like, a lot of, like, research or something first, because it happens all the time. Um, it's happened in recent months with Activision, Activision Blizzard and Bobby Kotick, right? People who say the thing, like, oh, it's just going to go buy another yacht, for Bobby Kotick or whatever is like a, an example of how this sort of anti-fandom uh, gets kind of created, which is the, you know, it's sort of the unfounded idea that um, it's sort of the unfounded idea that like, and all of the decisions that are bad about your game, you know, they nerfed your class because Bobby Kotick wanted extra money, you know, like Bobby the most you. wild bad faith. Yeah, exactly. Like the most wild bad faith. Um, kind of interpretations of, of some of these things. The Total War subreddit has been in pretty open revolt because of the price change on a DLC. Um, I'm in, I am in agreement. I think that the price change is pretty ridiculous. Uh, they basically have just increased the price by, what would it be, like 250% by, uh, or I guess 150%, um, went from $10 to $25 for about the same amount of content. Um, and it's left people pretty like pretty furious but now it's getting to a kind of circle jerk point um where people are memeing on the memes and so this new thing that happened in the total war subreddit was people showing old maps from total war from beloved total war games like total war shogun and they were and with a bunch of just the most bad faith interpretations of like only 16 factions, 11 factions that are all basically the same thing, right? Like, but it's like they're, they're samurai. How are they going to be different, right? You know, um, which I which I thought was pretty funny to be honest. <laughs> to be honest with you, Total War Warhammer Three is still a triumph of a video game and um, insanely good. But the thing I wanted to bring up, which I thought was interesting, was I saw a YouTube video where a guy a guy had this clickbait title is like, "This is what you really f miss about Total War," and he talked about how in Total War Warhammer Three, every faction in the game that you can play starts in a singular region, right? at war with a singular province and a singular like like minor enemy your first turn is defeating that enemy then taking that province and then kind of like going from there and his sort of thing was um previous total war games historical total war games um had very different starting positions because history doesn't work the way that total war warhammer 
can work because it's fantasy, right? Um, in history, for Total War Attila, for instance, you have the Western and Eastern empires, which are both huge, right? Um, but they are crumbling and there are massive loyalty problems among your infrastructure, right? Um, and so it is, you have lots of resources, but you are on the verge of collapse at any moment, right? When you're playing the Western Roman Empire in uh, in Total War Attila. You can also play Total War Attila from the perspective of Germanic tribes, right? Or Attila himself, um, who are politically united, right? Um, and uh, very solid and very stable, but very small, which is what allows them to, you know, make their attacks into, you know, into Roman territory, um, to accomplish whatever their, their goals are. I played Total War until I played all these Total War games or whatever. Um, but I was interested by that asymmetrical sort of start thing because it is something, it's something that's true of Europa Universalis, for instance, uh, or Hearts of Iron, which are also historical games where you have specific locations of specific people. C Crusader Kings would yep. be the same sort of thing. Um, but then you also have games that are like Stellaris or Civilization, where people start relatively kind of normal, uh, you know, in a in an equivalent sort of state. Everybody's kind of getting getting off to the races from the same sort of basic construction. Uh, obviously, their faction mechanics are different. All this other sort of stuff is different. But uh, yeah, I don't. Know. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that, right? A asymmetric start positions versus um, symmetrical sort of starting starting positions. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the asymmetrical starting positions are kind of a necessity for historical games because the factions are so similar to each other, right? There's like relatively limited differences between them. Um, and so that's how you get a bunch of variety. This is this is also true for like the paradox games you mentioned, right? Like, um, uh, you know, there are there are small differences between the different nations, but it's not like, you know, there's a fundamental difference between a French soldier and an English soldier, right? Like there might be the specialty units, but that's basically it, and that's not even like the core of the gameplay anyway. So that 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 is my immediate reaction. Is like the games that you mentioned that are that have equal starts all have like very different um they're all like the, they're very different uh uh categories or ways to play right like stellaris is maybe the least true of this but like you know stellaris civilization everybody has like a unique thing about them and right in a different way to play and they, they kind of like quickly diverge and because they're more gamified than the historical games right um it's you can heighten those 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 differences a lot more right like you know Civilization plays more like a board game than like a simulation of any sort. Um, and so like, even though like marginally, right? Like, or even though like most of the units are the same between civilization and civilization, you used to play them very differently, right? You can go religion, you can go tall, you can go wide, that kind of thing. Um, and that gives you enough variety in playing to kind of like uh, vary it up. Um, I, 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 think, I think that's maybe gotta be part of the the thing there, right? Is like you need to be able to replay these games, right? Like I don't think these games are designed to be played one and done, right? Um, and in the, in some way, you in, you need a way to like vary them on an axis. And in Total War Warhammer, it's by changing um, faction, right? Or even changing like legendary lord, which leaves significant differences. Um, and uh, but that that only provides a certain type of difference. And I think I resonate with that criticism, right? That like sometimes what you want is just like the same game but from a different perspective right like that's like what all of what crusader kings is right like it's like you are playing the same history just as like you know the duke of the isle of man 
or <coughs> the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, or like, you know, one of the vassals in the Byzantine Empire that rise to the empire, empire or breaks free, right? Like, all that's how you get the variety. It's like the, the, like the, the differences in the way you, the differences in the way you, um, you kind of like the differences in the way that the, the differences in your positioning. Whereas, like, um, I think a lot of it's part of what Total War and, and those games boil down to is like differences in tactics. Um, yeah, like the differences between factions in Total War is I am fighting with different kinds of units right. uh, more so than I am in a different sort of uh, in a different sort of position. I think that's that's partially true. That's partially wrong in a certain sense. Um, for instance, I detect a real difference between something like the Dwarves and something like Norska or the Greenskins. Right? You have some of these factions who are built to. Um, and I think the game does a pretty good job of this, where you you have a faction that is built to do different things because of the way its campaign map works. Um, so, for instance, Norska, they, the ability to make an economy in Norska is about your ports. Because your ports generate most of the gold that you'll be spending effectively, right? Um, and so what you can do when you play as Norska is um, you can... Sorry, excuse me. You can fill out your. You can get a bunch of ports, and that that fuels your economy. And then you use those ports as opportunities to like go raiding. Um, you go raiding deep into enemy territory. You sack you know cities and stuff like that. You use that money and you carry that money forward. That's how you kind of like do your economic investment. Whereas someone like the dwarves or Cathay. Cathay is maybe a better example of this. Cathay, each individual province in Cathay can be a real money maker. You can maybe make five or six thousand gold a turn coming out of one of those provinces, but it takes a while to build it up and you have to defend it pretty vigorously, right? In Norska, I really don't have to defend my territory that much. Ports are pretty low to the ground. Buildings, I can, they, they only go to rank three. I don't have to bring you to rank five, that kind of thing. Um, but in Cathay, man, woof, do I really want to make sure that I like keep my territory kind of like safe or whatever. And I think that stuff does play out on the campaign map. Um, but it is definitely a different feeling than the size and structure thing, which is kind of the Attila thing. This is also true for Europa Universalis is what I was thinking, right? Um, there are easy starts in Europa Universalis, like playing France or England, technically not Great Britain. Um uh, are easy uh, according to the logic of Europa Universalis um, because they have a lot of territory, they have a lot of power. You can use that power in order to make things happen, right? Uh, the hard, hard starts in Europa Universalis are typically smaller countries that would end up will end up getting kind of absorbed in the you know the crossfire. So Burgundy, for instance, um, which is kind of the eastern, is sort of like the Netherlands and the eastern part of. Um, uh, France uh, is typically an empire that gets kind of chopped in half and absorbed into France and then the rest becomes the Dutch. Um, but it's like you could play a run as Burgundy where you conquer all of France, for instance, um, or, or something kind of along those lines. Um, similar how Hearts of Iron, when you play the United States, is easy mode apparently. It's basically impossible to lose. Um, Hearts of Iron where you're playing Indonesia is really hard, right? And you have to fight in order to win or China is really hard. You have to fight hard in order to win that kind of stuff. Makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean that, that makes, that makes total sense to me. And like, 
I, I think we're, I think we're dancing around the, the same thing. Maybe I didn't express it as clearly as like, you know, like, um, there's a, a difference in like playing with the same tools, but in like from different perspectives and in different scenarios versus like playing with yeah. a different set of tools, which is kind of what, um, uh, what, what, uh, what total Warhammer does to you for you. Um, yeah. What? Honestly, one of the things that I've been doing in Total War that's been super fun is playing the vampire counts. I've never done a, a campaign of vampire counts that has been satisfying uh, until this one where I'm playing Helmin Gorst, who is just like a necromancer guy. He was a free LC lord from Total War Warhammer 1. But his faction identity is basically just make zombies good. Um, and... Fighting battles where I just mob guys with huge collections of zombies. And yeah, they're all going to fucking die. Zombies are terrible units. They have no defenses. They have zero armor. They have like five melee defense. Uh, so they, But they have like 13,000 health and they are... They cost 15 gold a turn. So you can just fill huge stacks of armies with zombies and just encircle people, right? And even the toughest, the most difficult fights uh, in the game, I was fighting against Grimgor Ironhide, who is one of the most difficult lords in the game because he is just like a one-man murder house. That guy will just kill fucking anybody, basically. But... He could kill as many zombies as he wants, right? For every one he, you know, for every hundred he took out, they got a hit in. And that hit stuck, right? And it's just like, that was a very different way of playing the game. I have not played Vampire Counts uh, in in that way, I guess, really ever. I mean, I did beat Vampire Counts. I did beat the game with Vampire Counts before, but I don't remember it being a very fun or interesting game. Um, this is, uh, I don't know, this is new. This is good. But, yeah, so my, my Total War adventures uh, continue. I feel myself waning a little bit. The other thing I was doing was playing Hardcore WoW. I played a little bit of Hardcore Classic, uh, which is pretty funny. I played, a, I played a hunter. I went into a cave, and as a friend of the cast says, caves are graves. I would have died if there was not a gnome there who sort of bailed me out because I was playing a hunter and I ran out of ammo. <laughs> Like, deep in this game. And I also do not understand hyper-spawning mobs, which are quest mobs that will spawn about 10 seconds after you kill them. Uh, so I just had to, I had to fight the same guy over and over and over again because I just kind of couldn't get out of his quest radius. And I was like, oh my god, I'm going to fucking die. I'm level 6. I'm like a level 6 fucking hunter, dwarf hunter, and I'm going to die in this stupid cave. Uh, but yeah, so I've been playing a little hardcore classic WoW. We'll see. We'll see how deep I can go uh, before I inevitably get, you know wrecked makes sense i mean i am i have not played a lot of wow since we down sarkareth yeah fair i need to do my monthly get get my uh my stuff done uh but uh you know oh my god i need to do i didn't do my monthly last month actually i did buy some stuff at the beginning of the month but i didn't max out my attendees mm. well, I, I want to definitely finish out because i think next month is when the monk set is up um, and, uh, I'm, I, th there were like certain things, like I bought the preset just cause I thought it looked really cool. And that's the only time I've bought something out of that, that it wasn't for my class since I, you know, historically never play alts, but, uh, yeah, I did rewatch the Mandalore review of the mystery of the Druids, um, which I do every October. Um, that's cause it's fun. Uh, it's a, it's a dumb game and Mandalore does a great job with it. Um, yeah, 
if you are unfamiliar, it is that that screaming druid. He was like, ah, um, type deal. Um, yeah, you played a character with that face, and I remember, what was the, the who's that character? The Wooden Wanderer, okay. Yes, I, he may be making a return at some point for a different game. Uh, then the front of the cast might be setting up, so I've been, I've been going to the Stable Diffusion AI hole and, like, trying to get it to produce good photos for, uh, uh, like, uh, let me see if, I, if I've got a, a good one that I can quickly throw up on screen. Uh, do, I can do this. Yeah. So I, I did this by... Um, basically, I've been feeding prompts into this AI, like, oh, learning how... Uh, uh, what's it called? How, how this all uh, um, works. Like, like learning... Not learning how it all like getting all this to uh, to work, um, or uh, is is tough, right? Like you just gotta keep like doing prompts until something works. Um, let me see if I can get this up here real quick. No, no. Uh, can I do? This? Oh no, it's the template. This is the logo. Uh, I might just give up in a second. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't care enough to, to figure out how to do this. I will have it set up for next time if people care. Um, but yeah, that is, I've been spending time prompt engineering um, and, you know, doing that kind of thing. But uh, I, okay. I think that's basically been my week. But do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, we're we're way over time. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you'd like to email us about anything we talked about in the show, from you know Christian Esoterica to Hardcore World of Warcraft, you can email us at somedorsplaygames@gmail.com um, or podcast at somedorsplaygames.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash somedorsplaygames or uh, youtube.com slash games. These go out live. Uh, that's everything I have. But do you have anything you want to promote? Uh, I have nothing. Oh, I do have one thing I'm looking to promote. On Thursday this week, there's the Indie Horror Showcase, the Dread XP Indie Horror Showcase, uh, which I feature in. Uh, I have a video in there. I have two videos in there, actually. One video that I speak words in and one video that I just I directed, essentially. Uh, so that is 10 a.m. Pacific, I think, on uh, the... I don't even remember the Twitch channel. You guys can figure this out. You're smart, okay? Um, and also, probably, you pay attention enough in locations that you'll be able to see that showcase when it goes up. <laughs> uh, Arahe in the chat says that uh, they're emailing us to complain about our war on Christmas, uh, which is, you know, fair enough. Did you know, have I told you this, Lord, that the war on Christmas started in my hometown? Really? Not not technically started, but the, the modern explosion of the idea of the war on Christmas, which came out of Bill O'Reilly in the early 2000s. Uh, Bill O'Reilly is the one who, like, popularized the idea that, like, oh, there's a war on Christmas. He was talking about Maplewood, New Jersey, because Maplewood, New Jersey has more Jews than Christians. But the the chamber choir concert at the end of the year of in the holiday season uh, was mostly Christian songs. And the Jewish parents got mad. And they were like, hey, what the fuck? And so... Uh, our school banned um, Christian Christmas music, essentially. Um, 
because it, it, it wasn't quite a band. It was like an unofficial band where they just quietly took all of the Christian stuff off of the uh, off of the thing. Um, and Bill O'Reilly ran with it. One of my friend's moms went on Bill O'Reilly to complain about it because she was like a, a conservative Christian. And she was like, I oh, should be able to sing Little Drummer Boy at the Christmas pageant or whatever. And it's just like, wow, well, yeah. Yep. Well, uh, <coughs> now it's about, you know, stars on cups or some nonsense. Yeah, it exploded out from there. Yeah, although it's, it's uh, my, my impression is that kind of like the modern version is like you find three people complaining on Twitter and write a story about it. Right? Like I, I remember there was like, last, it was last year or a couple of years ago, there was a thing about, like, like I said, like the Starbucks cups like were like vaguely less Christmassy, but it turned out that was like, you know, for Yahoo's on Twitter complaining about it rather than, like, any actual, like, significant pushback. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, not to turn this into it. Well, whatever. We're not going to do this. We're not, we're, we're definitely not doing politics. At the last second. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Especially given, like, the religious stuff, right? Like, Yeah, for real, for sure. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to touch any of that. With me, hold on. Do you want to know what the last Exodus thinks of Israel? Well, okay. You know what? Should I look that up? Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually do want to look what it says. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>